A friend and I, we were at a Wheaton restaurant enjoying a wonderful lunch together when suddenly we heard the most terrible sound. An accident right outside the window. We looked over and this poor woman in a small car, she had had a head-on collision with a truck. Her car was just crushed and my friend and I were just terror-stricken. We didn't know what to do at first, but compassion took over and we got out of our seats, ran out of the restaurant, ran up to the car. I, I forced the door open and I looked at this poor woman. She was alive. I, I mean, her eyes were open and, and I could feel she had a pulse and I could hear that she was breathing, but she wasn't all there. Do you know what I mean? She was in like a daze and I, I just ached for her because it wasn't good. And you know what else isn't good? We often relate a lot to that woman. We're in the same condition. I mean, we're alive, but not really alive. We're breathing. Our eyes are open. We've got a pulse. We're making our way through each day. But we've had the vitality knocked out of us. You know, sometimes the pain, the tragedy of our journey can just knock the life out of us. And we find ourselves lacking the joy and the passion and and the enthusiasm that we were hoping for, that we were made for. Well, I've got good news. For all of us who wish we could come alive, we've come to celebrate one who's done just that. This is the day we celebrate that he conquered death and came alive. And you know what? He has come to help us do the same. Friends, he wants you and I to come alive. Come alive, 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 come alive. You know, all of us want to be fully alive, and yet sometimes we say, Who can help us? Who can help us? I felt so bad for that woman who was in the car accident. Who could help her? She had me. That was it. I felt helpless. I wanted so badly to be there for her, but I know nothing. And then, finally, at just the right moment, there was this tap on my shoulder, and this paramedic said, Sir, thank you for helping us, but we'll take it from here. Oh, praise God for the arrival of a paramedic. You know, Jeff, um, when we arrive on scene, our big concern is getting that patient safely and securely onto the stretcher and then into the ambulance so that we can safely assess them and do our, our next steps. And then when you're in the ambulance, Tim, I've always wondered what really goes on. I mean, we've seen TVs, movies, but what does a paramedic do in the ambulance? We start with establishing a baseline set of vitals, okay. um, and then also we like to establish, uh, which includes you know, blood pressure, pulse, respirations, but then the big one is their mentation or their mental status. Um, and at that point, we'll, we'll determine whether they're alert, awake, um, and then we check whether they're oriented to a person, place, time, and events. How do you do that? So the first question would be um, asking them their name, okay. which is then I can say, okay, you're alert and oriented times one, if they can answer that appropriately. Uh, then I would say, where are you? And this is alert and oriented times two, if they can answer it appropriately, saying I am on the side of the street, or I'm here or there. I would ask them then what, what year it is, which is time. And then the final one is events or things surrounding 
the current circumstance. So if they get all four questions right, how do you describe them? Uh, awake, alert, and oriented times four. You know, I would assume that all you got to do is kind of look in their eyes to determine their level of vitality. You're telling me you got to ask questions. You know, there have been times on the ambulance where I have, I have approached people and they look like they're awake and alert and oriented, but they're not. That's why we ask those questions. And the questions kind of reveal that they're not fully with it. Correct. Tim, can I just, on behalf of all people everywhere who will need a paramedic someday, say thank you. Thank you for studying. Thank you for doing your job. Thank you for diving into disasters and saving the day. No Very grateful. My pleasure. You know, uh, Tim, the paramedic, uh, is both a rescuer and a rescued one. It was just a few years ago that his life was an absolute disaster. And here at the Compass Church, he found Jesus Christ who saved his soul. And then he met this beautiful woman and actually proposed to her in the atrium of the Hobson campus here. And then I got to officiate his wedding right in this spot. I wonder if you need to come alive. I wonder if all of you at the Bolingbrook campus and those of you at 95th, I wonder if there's a resurrection that needs to occur in your soul. If there were a paramedic who could diagnose your vitality, not your physical vitality, your spiritual vitality, what would they find? Let's go to the next slide. If they had a chart here where they could check one, some of you, they'd look in your soul and they'd say, ah, awake, alert, and oriented times four. This is a person who is fully alive. They live each day with a sense of wonder, captivated by the beauty and the extravagancy of the world around them. They have a passion as they engage in the significance of each moment. There's a joy, a bounce in their step. Maybe you'd say, yeah, that's me. Others of you would say, I don't know if I'm that happy. You know, maybe let's go here with the number three. I, I am, for the most part, um, um, uh, there's a vitality I enjoy, but I have room to grow. Others would say, no, unfortunately, I think I would have to say I'm a number two. Um, more often than not, I, I just am lacking the, the passion, the life that I know I was made for. Too often I find myself just kind of drifting through my days, not there. Others would, in great transparency, say, no, I'm a, I'm a number one. I, I just don't know what you're talking about, Jeff. I've, I've never, I don't live with that heightened sense of vitality. I'm kind of comatose on the inside. I pass the days, weeks, years, and I'm just surviving. I'm, I'm in a fog. I have good news, really good news. You know what this day is all about, Easter? It's all about the dead coming alive. That's the whole point of Easter. This is the day Jesus Christ, who was dead, burst forth into life. This is the season of awakening. You've come to the right place at the right time. In fact, I, I see it all around me here in the spring. Did you notice what happened flower-wise in the last week or two? It's been so cool, the timing. I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord, that'll work. Here's a picture of downtown Naperville. Suddenly these tulips just burst into life. At the risk of uh, 
needing to forfeit my man card. Can we talk flowers for a moment? You know, these tulips are amazing. I believe that it's God's creation. He, he sticks these bulbs in the ground, and it's like they're buried and dead. But spring comes, Easter comes, and boom, with an explosion of life, they emerge from the ground, and the beauty and the vitality is stunning. That is what Jesus did. And that is a picture of the vision God has for your life and mine. He wants us to come alive. I'm so excited to study with you a verse, single verse, found in the book of Ephesians, tucked away, mysterious, didn't understand it until recently, never preached on it before, but I love it. And I hope you do too. Ephesians 5, verse 14. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. I need to preach that to some of you more often because you're drifting in my sermon. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So as we study this verse, the first thing I note is this, this is why it is said. The writer is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, and clearly he's quoting a refrain or a lyric that they were familiar with. He just says, you guys know this, and so let me say it again. What was he quoting? Let me me remind you that the timing of the book of Ephesians being written was 60 A.D. The resurrection of Christ was around 30 A.D., so we're about 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus. And in that 30 years, this refrain has become so widely known that Paul can just write them and quote it, and they're all like, yeah. The scholars did an analysis of this, and they found that the emphasis of the words, the accent of the words, provides a rhythmic pattern, and they also noticed in the original language that it's a rhyming phrase. And so they quickly realized, this is a song. This is a chorus to a song. And with resurrection as a theme they have determined this is likely an Easter song, a song that was sung on Easter, maybe the first Easter song ever. Isn't that cool? So let's study the first Easter song ever, and let's see how it applies to our lives. So it starts off, yo sleeper, wake up, rise from the dead. It's a call. It's an invitation come alive. You know, the danger is that we'll sleep through life. A lot of people do. Maybe an illustration would be my nephew, Carmelo. Call him Carmi. Here's a picture of him. Carmi, four years old, cutest kid in the world. And uh, he loves monster trucks. He's holding a monster truck toy in his hands, standing in front of a real one. He went, this is taken at a monster truck rally. He was beside himself with excitement. Could not wait. Well, as the event got started, everybody went to their seats. Uh, His parents were concerned about the sound. The the revving engines in this auditorium was immense. So they put these big uh, earmuffs on him to protect his sound. Well, that brought him into a cozy, quiet little world that put him to sleep. Take a look. That's how Carmi enjoyed the monster truck rally. He never saw a single event. He slept through the whole thing. Don't do that. If this is you, that's sad. 
If you miss the event, if you miss life because your soul is in a sleepy fog, that would be tragic. As the verse says, we must come alive. In fact, an ancient Christian pastor and scholar, St. Irenaeus, he said, the glory of God is a man fully alive, a woman fully alive. In other words, God is glorified. God is honored. God is delighted when his people are people who are not in a fog, who are not sleeping, but people who are engaged with life, with him, and are fully alive. That's the vision of God. So how can we do it? How can we come alive? I want to go back now to the verse. And as you'll see, I've broken the song lyric down now with, and Christ will shine on you. And in those three, I want to point to three aspects of what's necessary for us to come alive. The first is that it's in Christ. Can I clarify? Uh, Some people may say, oh, I know how to increase my vitality. I just grab my favorite caffeinated beverage. No, no, no. You say, well, what you got to do is go to bed earlier so you're more rested. Or you got to change your diet or start exercising. All those things will increase your energy, I agree. But we're talking about something more substantive than an increase in energy. We're talking about an awakening of the soul. And the only way that happens is in Christ. This is a Christian song. Jesus is the centerpiece of this call to awakening. In fact, I would phrase it this way. We, in order to live, must connect with the life of Jesus. In fact, let's put that down. Life. The scriptures talk about this mysterious connection that those who become a Christian. This re- you say, why are we studying this on Easter? Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ can be our experience if we're connected to Jesus. The Bible says there's a fusion, a mysterious fusion that occurs between Christians and Jesus where his death becomes their death and his resurrection becomes their resurrection. Some scholars have referred to this dynamic with the Latin term unio mystica. In fact, let's put that up there. Unio mystica means mysterious union. And it's all over in scriptures. Here's just a few references to it. We have been united with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. In Ephesians, God made us alive with Christ. God made you alive with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. I want to point out these are all past tense. In other words, sometimes we, we say, yeah, I will experience the resurrection of Christ when I die, go to heaven, and am resurrected physically. Yes, you're right. That's biblical, and it's awesome. But these aren't saying that when we get to heaven, we'll get resurrected. These are saying we can experience that resurrection now. Our newness of life in Christ is a then thing in heaven, But it's supposed to be a now thing where that dynamic of Christ's resurrection in our lives is our joy. Here, maybe this illustration will work. I used to be, believe it or not, a water ski instructor. For a summer, after I graduated from college, I went up to work at a camp where I taught kids water skiing, which was both delightful and at times frustrating. 
you know, these little kids would be so excited. I'm going to water ski. Woo! You know, and I'd and the boat take off and and I'd come back and they're like, I don't know what happened. And I'm like, hey, I'll tell you what happened. You let go of the rope. And I would explain. I'd say, you, you got to hold on really tight and you got to, and they'd do, okay, okay. And they'd start again and and they'd let go. And, and I'm like, hey, you, 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 let's talk. You're really excited to ride on top of the water, to stand on the water, to dance on the water, which is awesome. But you can't do it if you let go. It is absolutely essential that you remain connected to the boat. You don't have the power to get up on the water. The boat has the power. You see the analogy here? Jesus is like that boat. He is the source of the resurrection power. We find our power in our connection to him. If we're holding on to Christ, he pulls us along. He bursts out of the grave with resurrection life, and we're like, woo here I go. My vital connection to Jesus is infusing me with his resurrection life. And you may wonder, what does it mean to hold on to Jesus? Well, in the Bible, it's called faith, placing your faith in Christ or trusting in Christ. And to trust in Christ expresses itself in a couple ways. For one, it means, Jesus, I'm trusting you with my sin. It says, Jesus, I, I, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm, I'm in trouble with a just God. And so unless you save me, unless you forgive me of my sin, you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my rebellion, I am, you're my only hope for forgiveness of sin. What else? Trusting him with your sin. Trusting him with your life, meaning lead my life, Jesus. I've been leading my life trying to run the show and I've made a mess of it. From now on, you're the boss. Jesus, the water ski analogy works well here because the water skier has no choice but to follow the boat. You know, wherever the boat goes, that's where the skier goes. And when we connect with Jesus, we say, lead on, write my story. And that's what it means to connect with Christ. And just to be crystal clear, this vitality we're longing for and studying is only found when connected to Jesus and his life in us. All right, let's go back to our, our verse. Oh, you see, I put a little picture of me water skiing here just to remind you of the life of Christ in us. This next point says, he will shine. This word shine is about illuminate. It's about the light of Jesus shining in our lives. In fact, let's put light Christ, throughout scriptures, is described as the light of the world, and that those who don't have him are walking in darkness. But when Jesus enters our lives, when he becomes our constant companion, his presence illuminates the world around us. Everything looks different when you have Jesus. People look different. Nature looks different. It's kind of like maybe you've gone on vacation somewhere or gone to visit someone and you've arrived at your destination at night and you do your best in the darkness to make out what this place is like. Is it pretty? Is it nice? Is it scary? I can't tell. But in the morning you wake up and you go outside and you're like, wow, look at this. I didn't know. 
It's more beautiful than I could have imagined. That's what Jesus does. His presence illuminates the world around us and shows us beauty, creates a wonder that awakens us. You say, what are you talking about? Let me illustrate from my own life. I know this to be true from Scripture. This illuminating of Jesus, I know it to be true from my own experience. In fact, I have to go back to my college days. Let me show you a picture. This is Fisher Dorm at Wheaton College. And this may look like a normal strip of concrete. This baby is a glory path to me. I walked this sidewalk one time, and I will never forget the experience. The night before, the night before, I was up late. This room here used to be a study hall. I was in there around midnight, and I was wrestling with God. His reality was overwhelming me. His love and goodness I was understanding, at least at a measure I had never known it before. And he was demanding my life. And on that sacred night, with tears, I gave Jesus my life. I just said, Lord, I've technically been a Christian for a long time, but I've been holding back. And I now can say, I love you. And everything changed for me on that sacred night. The next morning, I'm not kidding you, I walked out of these doors and started, though it was decades ago, I remember it like it was yesterday. The air tasted different. No lying. The world looked different. Suddenly the beauty of creation, I saw it as the handiwork the art of my lover. Oh my God, bravo. And people, I, I used to be annoyed by people. And suddenly I looked at these people and I'm like, they are creation, creations of God himself. They're made in his image and they're precious. Jesus died for them and he has a vision for them. And I just felt this treasuring of people that I had never seen before. I normally walked this path with dread. I, I had a sadness and a fear that plagued me. Suddenly I saw life as a a play being written by the one I love and I couldn't wait to see what he had in store for me that day. There was a passion that was there. I saw everything differently when the light of Christ was shining on my world. Folks, have you said, Jesus, show me what you see. Open my eyes. Shine your light with your presence this day. Help me to see creation through your eyes. Help me to see people. Help me to see the moment and the significance of each day of, of my calling to make a difference in this world because you'll come alive when you see it like he sees it. Back to our outline. So you need the life of Christ. You need to be connected so that he's... Life is in you. You need his light shining. But to be more specific about this light, the verse goes on. He will shine, just not in general, but he'll shine in particular on you, the verse says. Jesus will shine on you. This calls us to a refrain we see in the Old Testament frequently, where the Old Testament describes God's face shining on us. 
If you're a regular uh, worshiper at the Compass Church, we studied this just a couple weeks ago where we found that God, the Bible talks about God, some translations say, smiling on us. That's really the essence of it. If someone's face is gloomy, they're sad. If they're shining, they're happy, they're delighted. And if they're shining on us, they're delighted in us. That's really what it's all about. Jesus just beaming in delight with you. In fact, let's use the word love. This points to the outrageous love Jesus has. You say, I don't deserve to be loved by God. I agree. Neither do I. The crazy thing about the love of God is it's grace-based, unconditional, undeserved. It's more about who he is and less about what you deserve. Actually, nothing about what you deserve. And I'm telling you, when you start experiencing the smile of Jesus, when you realize he loves you, nothing makes people come alive like love. You ever seen a teenager who's got a goofy grin on their face, who starts to hum and sing songs and starts twirling about? Yeah, there's somebody who's smitten. The love bug has bit them. There's just nothing that makes you come alive like love. And yet, I will tell you, romantic love infuses the soul for a season and fades. Sorry, young people. It's the truth. There's only one love that can sustain vitality in the human soul over eternity, and that is the divine love, the love of God. God's love for you is so intense that you know it now only in part. There is more to discover and more to experience of his love for all of us. And the more we know his love, the more alive we will become. Every day can be a journey deeper into the experience of God's affection for us. And consequently, it can be an experience of becoming more alive. Folks, do you want to wake up? Do you want to rise from the dead? You must be connected to Christ, and his life will pulsate through your being. You must see the shining, illuminating light of Christ in your day. It'll change everything. And you must realize he's shining on you. He loves you. This will wake up the sleepy soul. Hey, we got a little gift for you all. Uh, In fact, ushers, would you mind? We're going to pass out, yes, a flower bulb, a gladiolus bulb specifically. And at first glance, as you receive this gift, you're going to say, ah, it's ugly. Yes, it is ugly. (laughs) Very ugly. In fact, that ugliness is going to help make the point. It looks brown and dead and shriveled up. I think God made it that way because he wanted to illustrate the unexpected, miraculous burst into life. Uh, I I did a little experiment over the last month with my gladiolus bulbs. I actually had three of them. Here, I'll show you a picture of, this is the windowsill by our kitchen sink, all right? What I did was I put marbles on the bottom of this glass vase. If you're inclined to do this as well, and I would encourage you to join me in this, you'll find instructions on the inside of this little card that's stapled to the bulb. But you fill up water right to the top of the marbles, and then I set these gross, dead-looking bulbs just 
so they're touching the water. And it blew me away. Uh, I came like the next day and I saw the beginning of little roots coming out of the bottom. Two days, and there's these roots that are wrapping around the marbles and going all over them. Whoa. A few days after that, I saw the beginning of a little green popping out of the top. The next day, and I watched every day as this explosion, if you will, this miracle of life coming out of death happens before my eyes. Well, here's what this has done for me. This has been a vision A picture of God's vision for my life and for yours, for for that matter. And every time I come to wash my hands, I'm reminded. Every time I come to help my wife with the dishes, and yes, I help my wife with the dishes, I'm reminded. And when I'm reminded, I just pause and I pray. I say, yeah, Lord, that's what I want. I don't want to sleepily drift through my remaining days. I want to participate in the resurrection life of Jesus. I want to come alive. Please, Lord, do it in me. Brief prayer. I'll just say, oh God, Jesus, let your life flow through my veins. Shine your light this day and help me see what you see. Remind me of your smile and your love so that this day I come alive. And folks, it's working. As I have continued to pray and been reminded of God's vision, I have seen in recent weeks my spiritual vitality on the rise. And I pray that for all of you as well. You also notice there's a little advertisement for our next series uh, on John the Baptist. So you'll want to be here next week for that as well. It dawns on me that even as I say this, there are some, maybe many, in this place, who've never grabbed the water ski handle. You've never looked to Jesus and said, I'm clinging to you because you're my only hope. As I described that, you're like, I don't know if that's me. I mean, I've gone to church sometimes. I've said some prayers at times. I mean, my parents baptized me when I was a kid or whatever. But as far as clinging to Jesus and saying, you're my only hope for my sin, if I'm going to be forgiven, it's going to be through you, or you're my only hope as far as guiding my life, some of you are like, eh, I don't think I've done that. Folks, this life we're talking about is impossible apart from this connection to Christ. And so what I want to do is end this little portion of the service with a chance to pray towards that end. When I pray out loud, you don't have to say anything out loud. God is listening with great intrigue to the silent cry of your heart. And if you don't pray anything, he hears. You're not praying anything. But if you're crying out silently in your heart, Jesus, I need you. I'm dead. And I want to come alive. He will hear. And he will forgive your sin, transform your life, and Woohoo! Look out. You're going for a wild ride. So let's close our eyes and pray right now. Jesus Christ, we cry out to you. We want to come alive. We want so badly to not sleep through our days, not have be dead and comatose inside. We were made to live and we want to live with passion and wonder and joy. So Jesus, help us. 
We're clinging to you right now. Jesus, you know more than we know all the junk in our past, all the sin, the ways we've messed up or failed to live up to your expectation regarding all that sin. Jesus, forgive us. You died on the cross for that sin, and we're begging you. Forgive us. Save us from our sin. You're our only hope. And in regards to the leadership of our lives, you've seen maybe we've made a mess of it. Lead on, Jesus. From here on out, you're the boss. Take our lives. Make them beautiful if you can. We're clinging to you and trusting that you can bring the life we were made for. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.